Welcome to Brad Kyle's Brad's Motor Works podcast. We'll be talking about some things about BMW, some things of cars in general, and some things about car repair. I hope you find it educational, enlightening, and I hope it increases your understanding of your car. And maybe along the way we'll have some fun too. Thank you for listening, and here we go. Episode nine, number 91, Worst Customer Stakes Causing the Greatest Harm. Uh, this one is kind of from uh, my years of experience in working on cars. Uh, I'm going to give credit to Matt. He's one of my customers that gave me the idea of uh, kind of coming up with this, where I, I sort of went down memory lane in my mind, so to speak, and got thinking about what things I've seen happen, specifically that customers, you know, did or didn't do by not taking care of their car or trying to do something uh, themselves and unfortunately causing <clears throat> a lot of harm. Um, the first three examples um, that I'll talk about real quick actually ended up costing people engines. So to me, that's kind of the most expensive thing I think I've seen as a single item. Okay. Um, you know, certainly in today's world, and these are things that happened, cr- frankly, quite some time ago. Okay. Um, but even back then, I mean, engines for a BMW, this is like in the mid to late 80s and stuff and early 90s. Engines for a BMW were four or $5,000, maybe even $6,000 installed. Um, some of them now are certainly way more than that, upwards of eighteen dollars or $20,000. I've never had to go that route. Uh, luckily, either people are, either they're getting better about, um, you know, how they do things on their car. Um, but the, the first couple of examples are, are uh, one in particular, this poor guy. Uh, well, anyway, we'll, we'll, I'll get into it. Um, the first one came in to the shop. This is when I was working at the dealership and it came in as that the woman was driving the car was a husband and wife. She was by herself and she was, they lived in Santa Barbara and she'd made it to Camarillo, which is where the shop was, the dealership I worked at. So she had already driven the car about 50 miles approximately. She was on her way to LAX, to the LA airport to pick up friends or family members. So that would have been another uh, 60, 70, 80 miles more, okay? She makes it down, making her way down, and she comes into Camarillo, where uh, the dealership was I worked at at the time. And um, the car started running funny. It started losing power. She pulls over. Uh, I don't recall whether she paid attention or not that the coolant temperature gauge had gone into the red. I think she finally noticed that as she was pulling over and the car was losing power. She was pulling over. The car got towed in. Uh, I got the repair order. I go out to the car to go to start it. And, you know, those of us that work on cars and, and, you know, there's times where we can make some pretty quick diagnostics just based on whether it be sights, sound, smell, uh, touch, feel, whatever you want to call it. Okay. In this case, it was a sound thing. And that was when I went to crank the engine over to start it, it was obvious it had no compression. Okay. And it was like, uh-oh, that's not good, okay? You can tell, okay? So I popped the hood, and I realized that the radiator cap is off of the uh, radiator or the expansion tank that it normally screws on to. It's, it's sitting uh, basically on top of the engine, on top of the valve cover, okay? And, of course, the thing had spewed coolant all over the place, and it became pretty obvious pretty quickly. I, I had a chance to talk to the owner because she had, you know, come in with the car and just asked her the particulars. And the sad part about this 
her husband was trying to, you know, help out, do the right thing. But apparently previously, this was sometime before, um, I guess she went to the airport quite a bit. I don't know how often, but it was enough to where the the last time he went, she went, I should say, uh, he had been checking the oil level and apparently he had added some oil and he left the oil filler cap off. So in that particular case, she starts it up and she starts driving. Well, that particular car, because of the way I have the hiccups, the PCV system was designed on it. It basically would idle rough and um, that's what she noticed. Uh, by the time she pulled it into somebody's shop to find out what was wrong, there was, you know, some obviously some oil had splattered. The top of the engine had some oil on it, and the engine was idling rough and, and so on and so forth. The good part is, is that there was really no damage done to the engine, okay? It just it made a mess, and, of course, she was ticked off at her husband. Well, this time, when he was checking it over, and he, you know, accidentally left the radiator cap off, and she drove the car 50 or 60 miles with no radiator cap, the engine overheated so badly that what happens with BMW engines is that the, the piston rings collapse, okay? The engine starts to lose power. You pull over. Meanwhile, while this is happening, the coolant temperature gauge is in the red. And at the time, this was an older car that it didn't, it didn't give you any kind of, you know, digital message warning. There was nothing that came up on the instrument cluster because the technology just wasn't there for that, okay? So if you didn't pay attention and check your gauges... Um, you know, she's driving along ignorant to the whole thing. So the engine overheated so badly that the piston rings collapsed. And once they collapse, that's the end of it. Okay, the car, you know, it loses power. You pull off the side of the road. The engine quits. BMW engines don't seize typically, normally. Okay, the piston rings collapse. The pistons potentially can start to, uh, you know, go down in size as well. But the biggest thing is the rings collapse. So it loses compression. Engine shuts off. Uh, you, you, when you go to, you let it cool down, you go to restart it, there's no compression. No compression means the engine will never start again. It'll never run again. Okay. So, like I say, I very quickly figured out, you know, between f seeing what I saw and talking with the customer, I basically went in to and figured up an estimate to replace the engine. Okay. Because I know what I know. Well, I, I really felt bad for this guy because this was before the days of cell phones. And so in our customer, you know, service waiting area, we had a pay phone on the wall. This woman gets on the phone and she's just verbally yelling and throwing her husband under the bus. Okay, because she's bringing up the fact that the last time she took the car to LAX, he left the oil filter cap off. And which obviously created a problem, but it didn't it didn't really hurt anything per se. This time it cost him an engine, okay, because he left the radiator cap off. And she was just I I would not want to be <laughs> I wouldn't want to be at that home at night having the having to uh listen to that because she just, you know, it's sad. It's sad. But it cost him an engine. Something as simple as removing the radiator cap and not putting it back on and she went ahead and drove the car not knowing and she drove it bad enough to where it wiped out the engine so that was like again four or five or six thousand dollars we're talking about many years ago this happened but the the moral of that story is is that you know it's if you don't pay attention something relatively simple can cost oodles of money 
okay? It's just a matter of what the circumstances are and what gets left undone, so to speak, okay? The second thing that used to happen <clears throat> that, that doesn't happen so much anymore is that is, is BMW in, in particular. I mean, this would happen on any manual transmission car. And I realize there's a lot less of them out there now. And I do mean an actual manual transmission car. Um, if we start talking about, um, you know, um, SMG, sequential manual gearboxes or, or double clutch DCTs, double clutch transmissions, those are, those are shifted, you know, electronically. Okay, even though it is a quote-unquote manual transmission per se, um, they are shifted electronically. So on a true manual transmission car, on a BMW, they, they have what's called an electronic rev limiter. In other words, if you're accelerating the car under normal power and you floorboard the thing, it's going to, the, the engine management system will only allow the engine to go so high of, of RPM before it starts to shut down fuel injection and ignition and of course this is to not let this is so that the engine doesn't over rev it, it will only go so high and what it does is the uh it literally if you were to do it in neutral okay or park i mean it'll go like okay that's i won't do it any more than that um the engine goes up to max rpm the electronic rev limiter comes into play and so it, it shuts off uh, fuel and spark. Well, of course, obviously in that, the engine RPM starts to drop. As soon as it drops below the rev limit, it comes back online. So that's why it does that rare, rare, rare noise, okay? With a manual transmission car, if you're traveling 50, 60, 70 miles an hour, and let's say you're in fifth gear, okay, and you want to downshift, um, where this becomes an issue is, you know, normally you'd go from fifth to fourth, Okay, and on a BMW, it's an H pattern shifter uh, where fifth is is over on the right and up. If there's a sixth gear, it's over on the right and, and down or back, I should say. Okay, again, this is a manual transmission car. Most BMWs that have manual transmissions are five-speed forward, one reverse. So years ago, before about the 1989 or 90 model year, um, we used to occasionally get cars come in, and again, uh, you know, BMWs don't normally just seize as far as the engines go. They don't normally just blow up one day, okay? Is if it's a normal wear situation, what happens is they start using oil, and they start using more and more oil, and this is because pistons and rings are getting worn, uh, and probably valve guides and valve stem seals. So that's the most common areas that an engine can use, start using oil. Uh, for that matter, once there's more blow-by because the piston rings are getting worn, then you're going to be uh, generating more oil, oil vapor in the crankcase, and so that's going to get fed through the PCV system, and the engine's going to burn that oil too, okay? But in any case, on manual transmission cars, they would get towed in, and there'd be a hole in the side of the block <laughs> because the engine threw a connecting rod out the side of the block, Okay. This always, always, always happened on manual transmission cars. And lo and behold, of course, the customer, you'd ask him, well, what was, what was the driving sequence that led up to this or what happened? Well, I don't know. I was just driving along. And a lot of them wouldn't necessarily tell you that, yeah, I shifted gears, okay, because that's when it happens. And what happens is we called it the money shift, 
okay? And anyone who maybe is, you know, uh, knows about cars or maybe has done some, some high-performance driving schools or even maybe raced their car like in club racing or whatever, any manual transmission car has the capability of this happening, okay? It's called the money shift. And the most common thing would be like, let's say you're in fifth gear and because of the pattern of the gear, the way you change the gears, you're, you think you're shifting into fourth. Yeah, of course, you push the clutch in, and you're shift, you've actually shifted into second. Okay, As soon as you begin to let that clutch out, even though there's an electronic rev limiter, it won't help any. Okay, Because that rev limiter is only designed to limit, limit the revolutions of the engine, the speed of the engine, if you are accelerating by pressing the gas. When you are, if you grab the wrong gear, okay, now the engine is being mechanically overdriven through the tires and the differential and the drive shaft and the transmission. So you are now mechanically over revving the engine, okay? And if you shift from fifth to second, or let's say sixth to uh, maybe third, Again, it depends on the circumstances, but you are mechanically revving that engine higher than what it was ever designed to do. And on a BMW, this all happens in a split second. It throws a connecting rod out the side of the block. Okay, so now the engine's destroyed. It's a new engine. The thing that was interesting at the time is prior to about the 89 or 90 model year, BMW, there was no there was no way in the uh, engine management system control unit to where it it could record the highest revs ever seen. They just it didn't have that function. And whether this happened, especially if it happened under warranty, there was no way for BMW to prove that the the customer grabbed the wrong gear. Okay, they didn't have that. It didn't have that ability. And so there was always the possibility that maybe something went wrong and this thing just threw a rod out the side of the block. So especially if the car was under warranty, the engine got replaced for free. It was no charge to the customer because they couldn't, BMW couldn't prove whether it was a warranty issue or not, okay? If the car was out of warranty, um, you know, they might get involved financially because, again, they couldn't really prove one way or the other. So they figured out pretty quickly, well, how do we get around this to where, you know, we don't take on this liability? Because obviously a customer grabbing the wrong gear is not a defect in material or workmanship, okay? That's not a fault of BMW or any car manufacturer that has a manual transmission car that they've made, okay? It's not their fault. It's a driver issue. We used to call it, it was a cockpit error, okay? So what they did around about 1989-1990 in the engine management control unit, they put in software in there that it has the capability of recording the highest speed the engine ever has been has ever been taken to, whether that means it was through a pl application of the gas pedal, the throttle, or if the engine was mechanically overdriven. Okay, so. What started happening from that point is a car would come in to have a hole in the side of the block through a connecting rod, and we would connect up and we would gather this information. It would spit out the engine RPM as like hieroglyphics code. So in other words, at the dealer level even, we couldn't actually see what the reading was. And we would fax that into BMW, and they would report back and say, well, the rated engine speed of this engine is uh, 6,300 RPM, and this one went to 7,200, okay? 
The only way it's going to do that is being mechanically overdriven. Okay, so guess what? It's not our fault. We don't cover it. It's not under warranty. Nothing. This is on the customer. Okay, so lo and behold, um, not surprisingly, for, for whatever reason, uh, we started seeing less and less of that issue. But, you know, again, the reason I bring it up is, is that all it takes is a person shifting, you know, grabbing the wrong gear and letting the clutch out. And depending upon the engine and, and you know, who it's made by, uh, it's probably going to blow the engine up. Okay, because they're only rated to a certain RPM and you start taking things above that and it won't it won't take it. Um, something's going to come apart. And on a BMW, it was a nice big gaping hole in the side of the block. Okay, so that was that one. Um, another one. Um, let's see. Oh, I had one. This happened a few times. Um, BMW used to use what was called a hydro boost. This is the brake pressure or brake boost system. Okay, it was called a hydro boost, which meant in the actual brake part of the system, the brake fluid. Um, that would, uh, that was the actual fluid that used to apply the brakes, but it had what's called hydro boost. So instead of a vacuum brake booster, it used to used a hydraulically actuated brake booster to apply the additional, um, force. When you stepped on the brake, it applied more force through the hydro boost unit to the brake master cylinder so that the car would stop. Okay. The hydro boost system used by chance, automatic transmission fluid, just a regular good old Dextron 3 or Dextron 4. It's been around for years and years, automatic transmission fluid. A couple times I saw this happen where people, again, they were doing their own kind of checking and so on and so forth. And one guy in particular, I remember, he put brake fluid in the HydroBoost system. Okay. And so, of course, starts driving the car. And the car started, I don't remember exactly what the circumstances were, the symptoms, but the car, the hydroboost system started feeling funny. His brake, uh, brake pedal started feeling funny. It started developing leaks all over the place, okay? Bottom line is the brake fluid in the hydroboost system, those seals that are in there, any of the rubber parts in the hydroboost system were never designed to have brake fluid on them. So they start to, they swell up and they start leaking. So essentially, and that also includes all the hoses, the pressure hoses that are that are carrying this uh, fluid through the hydro boost system. None of that was designed to have brake fluid in it. So once I figured out what happened, uh, I had to write an estimate to replace every single part in the hydro boost system that had any kind of rubber seal in it. All of the hoses, the pressure hoses, all the rest of it. And again, this was probably three or four thousand dollars. Okay. So those are the three biggies that I've seen that people, you know, have done. Um, and this is all over the years. The rest of it really, as far as, you know, other damage that, uh, you know, my comment is, is that the rest of this I'm going to talk about is something that is, uh, it happens over a much longer period of time. Um, the damage that's happening is slower. And frankly, uh, in my mind, uh, it's caused by extended oil change and maintenance intervals even beyond what the manufacturer states. Okay, so this is true of any car. Um, you know, people that, uh, there's always going to be stories out there where someone says, I literally have not done anything to my car for whatever, 50, 60, 70,000 miles. Instead of having the oil change, they just added oil as needed, okay? And the engine still runs. But you can be rest assured uh, that engine's in the in the process of going bye-bye, okay? It's going to wear it out extremely 
before its normal time, okay? Um, you know, you're not doing it any favor. You don't change the air filter. That air filter for the engine becomes more and more clogged with dirt. It makes the engine work harder to try to, to, try to suck air through a, a dirtier and dirtier filter. Um, if there's a fuel filter that's able to be replaced, which is less likely in today's world because most of them now are in the, actually in the fuel tank, but that's another story. Years ago, they were external, okay? And yes, fuel, you know, it certainly does have particles in it, and it can get dirty. And the fuel filter, the idea, obviously, is to filter that, that dirt and stuff like that out so it doesn't go through the fuel, in this case, the fuel injection system. So a much longer, slower process uh, that still ends up costing money is by not doing, you know, proper maintenance on the engine or on the, the, the different systems, okay? Um if you want to kind of get more information on that, let me reference some other podcasts I've done previously that I, I talk about this stuff, okay? And I do it, you know, much more in depth. And that is episode number 11, which is maintenance versus repairs. Episode number 20, car repair costs yearly versus long term. Episode 37, BMW lifetime fluids, lower maintenance costs or bad advice. And the last one is episode 75. Fluid flush or wallet flush, a discussion, okay? So, you know, if you care at all about your car, let, let's just say if nothing else, you're trying to get the, the best value out of your investment. I mean, let's face it, a car, especially if you buy it new, but certainly if it's relatively new or even if you bought it used, um, it's an investment, okay? And the best way you're going to get the, the value out of that investment and the usage out of it is to take care of it properly, Okay. It's either that or you're just, you know, you're throwing not only your investment away, but assuming, you know, you keep the car and if something bad does happen where it becomes non-drivable because, you know, uh, something bad happened, you left a radiator cap off. But even from a maintenance standpoint, if it gets to where it won't pass smog, as a for instance, because the engine's so badly worn out, okay, um, you don't have a lot of choices, okay? Um, you know, there are some things you can do. One would be to sell, sell the vehicle out of state, uh, because obviously, obviously California has the strictest smog laws in the entire country, pretty much. Um, so if you tried to sell it without getting a smog certificate, which legally you're supposed to, the seller is supposed to provide that in California, um, you either have to sell it out of state where there's not a smog required, or the other possibility is you have to donate it to charity and uh, take whatever write-off that's available from when they sold the car to somebody else, which typically in that scenario, it goes to a third world country that doesn't care about their emissions or their atmosphere. So, um, yeah. So, you know, the whole idea is, is even if you're doing something minor, um, I hope you know what you're doing, okay? It, all it takes is a simple... You know, and frankly, it's not to say that a professional technician may accidentally do the same thing. I mean, we're all human, and we can all make mistakes. Uh, the difference is that if a shop does that, if a shop is checking coolant level, and they forget to put the radiator cap on, and, and the customer drives away, that's the shop's problem, okay? They're the ones that created that issue. Uh, it's, it's sad when that happens, because obviously, you know, the engine didn't last as long as it could have or should have. Um, but in any case... That's about it for this one. I just kind of, uh, again, this was uh, Matt's idea. And, uh, you know, I kind of had to think back through my memory of what have I seen customers do. I'm sure there's a lot of other horror stories out there. Um, these are ones personally that 
you know, that I personally dealt with on a one-to-one basis with the customer and the car. I'm sure there's plenty more out there. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of where people have tried to do their own work on their car, uh, especially with the advent of YouTube and all that stuff. The, the comment I get sometimes from people is, is where, you know, you're, you're telling them, you're giving them an estimate to do something, and they go, well, how much of that is labor? And you tell them. And they're going like, well, you know, how could it be that much? I, I watched a, you know, a 20-minute video on YouTube. It doesn't look like it's that big of a deal. And my response is normally is that, well, that 20-minute video, uh, what they didn't show you was the other four hours that it took to actually do the work, okay? So just because it's a 20-minute video doesn't mean that you saw the entire process, okay? So, um, you know, that's great if you can work on your car and do what you do, but just understand you're the one taking all the responsibility for it, okay? It's no different than a repair shop. It's the same scenario, okay? So, um, you know... Even if you're going to do minor stuff to it, um, you know, you could look at some YouTube videos. You may even want to stop by if you do have a relationship with a shop and maybe maybe you do a little bit of work yourself and then you have them do other things that you either can't do, don't want to do, uh, or maybe it requires special tools or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, most shops, if you're open and upfront about it, I think most shops will work with you, okay? But just understand that, um, you know, whatever it is you do, that's your baby. And it might be a situation where the shop actually needs to recheck your work because once they put their hands on it, it partly becomes their baby, okay, and their responsibility. So don't be surprised if, you know, you do some work on a car and maybe you realize you get in over your head and the car is, the engine is partway apart or something. I mean, to most shops, that's a basket case. Frankly, we really don't want it. We don't want to work on it because we don't know what you did or didn't do. And we don't we have no idea whether you know what you're doing or whatever the case may be. So, uh, you know, my advice is, is that uh, if, whether you want to do minor things to the car or a lot more than that, um, you know, please educate yourself. OK, uh, because, again, something as simple as not putting a radiator cap back on can can end up costing thousands and thousands of dollars. So. Uh, you know, it's the little things that sometimes matter as much as the big things do. So that's about it for this one. Uh, it, uh, it's been a stroll down memory lane for me. And, you know, the good news is, is that it doesn't happen very often, at least, you know, for me anyway, I haven't seen a lot of it, but I have certainly seen it. So I appreciate your time listening. I hope you got something out of it. Um, you know, again, uh, if you do, you know, work on your own car or whatever, that's great. You know, uh, you certainly have the right to do that. It is your car. Uh, but hopefully it all works out well and, you know, you go from there. So appreciate your time listening. Again, as usual, if you go on and get a hold of me via email, it's bkpodcasts5 at gmail.com. And again, I own and operate Brad's Motor Works in Southern California. And uh, there's a couple web pages if you want to check that out. And again, if you're ever in the area, you know, stop by, say hi, or give me a call or something and let me know, hey, listen to the podcast. And, you know, we can chat and whatever and go from there. So appreciate your time. I appreciate you listening. I hope you got something out of it. Uh, I hope you have a fantastic day and a great tomorrow. And thank you again. Thank you for listening to this episode. It's been an honor and a privilege to spend time with you. I hope you found this of value. Please share it with family and friends. Above all else, with all you're getting, get understanding. 
May God bless you and keep you, and thank you again.